Good evening, everyone, and welcome to uh, what promises to be an excellent episode of tonight's White Walkers Chat and Crack. Um, I'm David Topping, White Walker One. Joining me tonight, we've got Chris Brownfield from the Southwest, uh, South Wales, Ulster uh, <laughs> Rugby Supporters Club, and the Night King himself, Nigel Quigley. Good evening, guys. Good evening, Mr. Topping. What about you, big man? Uh, well, as soon as I get my geography sorted out, I'll be grand. Um, well, right. tonight we're going to have an absolute cracker of a show. We've got uh, Gregor Galway coming up to uh, have a wee chat about Mixability Rugby and uh, join us for our big debate tonight. Uh, also, we, we start with the big news. Dan McFarland has left Ulster uh, and we are due to have the Irish Under-20 coach, Richie Murphy, taking over. Um, so we're going to be having a wee chat about that, having a wee bit of chat about where Ulster's going to go from here. Um, and plus, we'll have a look at uh, uh, the game against the Ospreys and uh, and all, all the events that happened there. Um, so uh, keep it here on White Walkers Chat and Crack. So now let's pack down, bind, and engage. Right, guys. Okay, well, let's see. Let's start off then uh, with uh, usually with the team news. Um, obviously, after the Ospreys game, uh, um, Henderson um, had a, an injury and uh, he'll be MIA for a week or two, I would think. Um, uh, but it's first of all, dislocated toe, I believe. Ooh, ouch! That was early on the game. Mm-hmm. Mm. So. Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll we'll look at all those in a little while, guys. Uh, but first of all, I do want to do a few wee shouts out. Um, to uh, Sorja and uh, who's trying to sort out a mum's only uh, uh, seven aside. So it's uh, basically a sevens team, but they're all mums. And it's an absolutely fantastic idea. Um, I only found this, I found this out during the week. Um, and I thought it was absolutely brilliant. Now, down below, they are doing a bit of crowdfunding. Um, and I have it there on the ticker. So if you, if you fancy donating a few lot of shillings, uh, uh, to Sosha and the gang there. Uh, it's going across the screen there at the bottom, and it'll always be here, Braze, if you just need a wee look. Um, it's an excellent idea, and I cannot wait uh, to see that team get up and going. Um, so, from there, where we go? We go to our under 20 team. Now, they were announced there, and we have six Oscar players uh, appearing in the squad for that. Um, Women's Six Nations. Uh, their squad was announced, and again, we've got uh, six representatives, I believe, uh, on the squad, uh, uh, including uh, Neve Jones and Steve McGrath. And it's great, great to see us to get a, a reasonable rep- res- representation uh, on the team. What do you think, guys? I think it's down to five in the under 20s. I think if you check it, down to five, um, yeah, um, we've got two, three starting and two on the bench, I think. Uh, Who's starting? Young, young War starting. He seems to be coming to me and stay in the, the back row. And mm-hmm. um, who else? I can't think of the other name. I'm trying to think who's the big lad second row. Oh, the, the big cub is the second row. He's on um, starting. And I think we have a front row player starting. So, yeah, we've mm-hmm. got a bad representation, really. Yeah, um, definitely. Certainly better than the senior team, at least. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, well, now uh, we'll, we'll we'll put it away now. Good job. Uh, that's not a that's not a criticism, by the way. It's just an observation. <laughs> it is an observation. But no, the uh, fair play to Stuart McCluskey kept on the bench uh, uh, for the game this weekend against Wales. So uh, I think he's earned, uh, I think he's earned that, hasn't he? Um, his, his performance. Yeah. Funny enough, and I just sorry we're switching around a bit here. The yeah. way he played against Italy last week, his role was very specific. Um, in that he was the sort of fulcrum for the back line mm-hmm. uh it's going to be going to him and then he was crossing the line or going to the line and and distributing the ball on it was quite interesting how they used him actually uh last yeah. week i thought yeah it was actually nice the same as his offloading game again last week was absolutely back to top class um there's a there was one particular um as we're moving down the right um by the right side of the flank and, and he was wrapped up like it was three players surrounded him and he's still got that big lanky arm over the top, got the ball off and, and released the uh, the attack. So he was back to his best in that way. And that's, you yeah. know, that's... Thanks, Simon Kerry. It's Joe Hopes was the big lock. I was thinking of Joe Hopes. <laughs> sorry, sorry, uh, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, here, uh, I want to give another big shout out to uh, um, 
Probably the greater the best shot I've seen in the school's cup this side of, I don't know when. Uh, Sullivan Upper beating Methody uh, in the quarterfinals there. Uh, earned themselves uh, a, a wee semi-final run. Um, uh, um, and uh, Wallace uh, taking on Inst. Uh, I think the Inst-Wallace game is on the 27th uh, mm. of uh, with Balamina and Sullivan Upper on the 28th. So, uh, you know, big shout out to them uh, and uh, and all the best lads for uh, for the semis. That's certainly uh, the class as a giant kill, that, couldn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. The thing is, uh, we, um, from memory, um, Methody were at home for that fixture against Sullivan, from memory. Yes, yeah. they were. They were turned over. Yep, so um, it was was really in the lines then there at Perry Park. So, yeah, yeah definitely, uh, definitely a big result. Um, and I'll give a shout out to uh, my old school, in school and Royal Grammar. They've done well to get into the quarters this year. Uh, unfortunately, beaten by a, a well-drilled Wallace side uh, down at the Eisenhower uh, fields in Enniskillen. But uh, no, it's it's been uh, it's been good to see um, the old school get back up and running again uh, with Mr. Finley there doing the the, the training. But um, but all in all, you know, it's it's been uh, it's been an excellent couple of weeks of rugby. Um, uh, and some strange ones in, be- in between. So, uh, so where do we go from here? We, we need to we need to look at. Uh, uh, of course, we have to give a shout out to Gerald Williamson and the AAL gang, um, because obviously, whilst we will more than likely concentrate on Ulster, the provincial side this time, uh, we always will give a shout out to our AAL clubs. And if any of our clubs want to to have a a chat with us here on the show, get in touch with us, and uh, we will. Uh, we will make sure to have a, a good chat with you, and we'll see what we can do uh, to promote the games that you're you're building. I think uh, I think in less uh, less strenuous times, should we say? Can we call it that? Uh, probably we should. Yes. Uh, we will concentrate a bit more on AAL actually, and start looking at clubs. Um, and by the way, for those that haven't been there yet, uh, runs a fantastic site. Um, the AAL rugby. What's it called? AAL rugby. Well, what's the full name of that? <laughs> that, that it's AAL rugby on, on, on Facebook anyway, and it's uh, the man's knowledge on uh, club rugby in Ireland that I think is possibly unsurpassed. He is unbelievable. Oh, absolutely. Oh, so well, Craig, yeah, well, well, put yeah. it this way uh, whenever we originally put this podcast on originally a couple of years ago, I had a, a wee chat with Gerald just to make sure I got my back straight about Ulster. Um, before uh, before I, I started talking about it, if you, if you, you join know. that page and have a look through it, you'll see you'll see an item on every club in Ireland, North and South, uh, history of and um, what league they're in and how they've come around, how they've done. Uh, the information is fantastic. It's it's as I say, I would say unsurpassed. I've not heard anybody. That, I've not spoken to anybody that seems to know more about AIL rugby than uh, Gerald. Unbelievable. Yeah, well, the, well, the page is called AIL Rugby and Club Rugby. So have a wee look here on. On EOD Facebook, and uh, you can have fill your boots, as a man would say. Um, right, well, here, what we'll do now is we'll we'll introduce our special guest. Uh, he, he likes his mixability rugby, he likes his Oscar rugby, uh, and we'll meet him now in just a moment. Let's get through here, Mr. Gregor Galway. How are you, Gregor? Good. Can I just say something about you one can. of the topics? Okay, so basically, the 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 hit. That club that we were going to mention about Malone Tornadoes were playing England. They were actually doing good, good charities. They big up rugby to cancer. That's who the Sox were for. Oh, fantastic. Say, Malone Tornadoes beat, who was it? Some team up on Friday yeah. night. And they're playing against the Newport Dragons, Chris. So you'll know Dragons all sorts yeah, on their way before the Kingsman game. So get down and support them at that Gibson yeah, Park. Absolutely. Do you know what time, what day that is, Gregor? Yeah. You know the Saturday, the Saturday of the Ulster game, four fifteen right. off, I believe. Right, four fifteen gives I'm just saying, get down and support them because yeah. they need well, to. A few people on that for sure. Good stuff. Oh, absolutely. We we'll make sure to put that up uh, on the ticker here, and we'll 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 get it up after the show as well. So no problem, Gregor. We'll do that for you. Um, well, Gregor, yeah. The main reason we. I've got you on here, obviously, for two reasons. But the first yeah. one was uh, with the mixed about the uh, rugby invitational side. Yeah. Um, they were uh, uh, they were in action then. Funny enough, on my birthday. Yeah. You know, and if I if I had known, I uh, I tell you, it was a, it was just one of those things. 
birthdays and rugby never they never go well together. Um, so uh, yes, David would have give up that big meal he went out for to go and watch rugby. Yes, of course he would have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. what I had. It was in Bath, so it was. So just in case you were a bit confused why it's not an Ulster, everybody turned on Ulster Malone. So there. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was Bath indeed. Um, I was there, in fact. <laughs> Ah, excellent. Well, what, what, what did you think of the game, Gregor? Well, I'll just tell you a bit about the Marys first off. So oh, they're right. basically, as our rugby fan, family will know, they're like the Barbarians, but they get your individual number, but you get your where your club socks. So there was a few also representatives in Bath. They lost, by the way. Mm-hmm. 22-26-22, the scores, I believe. Oh, so fantastic. The World Cup Warriors in Bath, recreation ground. Wow. You know, I, you know what, I, I managed to try and find uh, some bits of news on that. And you know what, it was an absolutely fantastic occasion. You know, certainly looking at the bits that I find out after um, uh, after the head disappeared. But it's a, it's a case of um, the, the, the team itself is well built. And I believe our captain was an Ulsterman too. Yep, he was the ninth Maori captain in all. So there's a wow. fact for you. Brilliant. I've actually played um, against him at Tide Rugby, I just want to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a big guy, but I'll take it. That's the other that. I hope he's not watching this. Hope he's not watching this. <laughs> there, uh, hello, Ian Gilbert, our Spanish ambassador in Madrid. There, um, and uh, of course, our good friend Anne Copperweight, uh, as, as Kenny joined in, said hello. Uh, we've also got Bernie Stewart and oh, uh, Bernie. Oh. he's a Wesley. He's a Wesley, by the way. Hey, <laughs> yes. Um, yes. and Mr. Johnny Wapa. I hope Mr. Ramfield's internet is in better shape this time around. Twitch <laughs> 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 the Gregor play game if he paid the bill. That is, <laughs> I'm being subjected to the abuse already. <laughs> Obviously, it's got half scared all the time because I don't always call you. Hello, Reggie. How's it going? Evening, gents. Hashtag yeah. down out and hashtag new beginnings. Oh, that could be interesting. Um, uh, uh, of course, Ian, yeah, you're absolutely right. Good to see Gregor oh. on that one. Thanks, Ian. Uh, Adios. Uh, and yes, there you go. He agrees. He had to give up the feed. Um, and, uh, and a big hello to our, our favorite. Uh, uh, <laughs> hello and thanks uh, thanks for sharing it on the international rugby page and hello to everybody on that one as well uh, and of course here we go Chris Hi. Hi. bloody he doesn't actually live in Cape Town by the way just for <laughs> he follows more bloody teams than uh, <laughs> I'm not gonna bother Keith Barways. He does actually follow more teams than Keith <laughs> here, it's, here, there's more wagons than an episode of Bonanza. For goodness sake, come on here. <laughs> yeah, but uh, here, speaking of the Ospreys, um, I was invited to, to have a quick chat with uh, Darren uh, from True Osprey, um, uh, about the game and uh, um, you know, short and sweet and to the point, you know, it was. Yeah, well, it was it was a lovely to be invited on uh, to, to to put a wee contribution in uh, on behalf of the guys here, um, mm-hmm. and uh, it's at True Osprey. Uh, True Osprey is the the YouTube channel uh, that he's that he runs, and he's uh, part of a, a gang of, uh, of proper Osprey brands as well. Um, and I just happened to get in contact with him uh, after the game, um, and he asked me just to contribute a wee two minute piece for them. Um, and it was it was lovely. It was it was great to uh, uh, to get involved with with everybody else, you know. Um, oh, Dara Hayes there. Hey Dara, how are we lads? Monster, stand up and fight. So, Mister uh, yes. David, David, what did you actually um, what did you actually oh. say to your all uh, true yeah. What was the general feedback? Uh, well, well, basically, uh, they, they asked me for just a, a quick reaction piece to the game, and uh, and basically, I said we had more than enough chances to put them away, but sure. you know, some so, some of our play was just so strange, you know. Um, we left it vulnerable, and you know, obviously, mm-hmm. then they hit us with that drop goal, you know, oh. which was 
Now, I have to admit, it was quite a good drop goal, but uh, um, but I actually thought that we uh, um, we, had, we had enough chances to win the game, you know? You know so even we, the script uh, three. saw a post on Monday from a, another Ospreys fan who basically said that they enjoyed the win, they were grateful for it, but felt that they, not sure how big a part they took in it themselves, which I think reflected probably more on what, what Ulster were doing or not doing. Um, yeah. But we'll... Uh, we we will come we will come to that very shortly. Yeah, we will, yeah. Um, we will, but um, very 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 Chris Moore teams in Barley's hardly. <laughs> okay, well, well, look, guys. Uh, you know what? Um, before we we hit the deck the decks running with with the uh, the review of the Ospreys game and where things went after that, uh, I'm going to show everybody uh, a little video, and I want to put a, a big thanks to Nikki Espahani from the URC. Uh, for allowing us to use uh, one of the Origin Round videos um, for tonight. Uh, obviously, as part of the Origin Round, which was uh, the game against the Ospreys, um, uh, the URC produced two videos, uh, one explaining what the Origin Rounds were about, um, but also um, showcasing some of the players who went from grassroots uh, to the full teams uh, and beyond. Um, so I'm just going to... Uh, throw this on for you, it'll be about a minute, and uh, uh, we'll be back very shortly. I'm Jamie Ritchie from St Andrews in Scotland. Josh Turnbull, Newcastle Eminem. Marshall Kutsia, Pretoria. Alan O'Connor, Scaries. Malakai Fikitoa, Faleloha Pai Tonga. This weekend, we come together to celebrate Origin Round. A round dedicated to the parents, coaches, clubs and schools who've helped us in our journey to the URC. When we put on our jersey in Arjun Round, it's something special. From all of us at the URC, we say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. For the early mornings and late nights. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. For the sacrifices you've made. Dio. Thank you. Grazie. Thank you. Diabulela. Okay, wow. Absolutely fantastic, and just shows how diverse uh, our championship is, and uh, um, you know, an absolutely fantastic wee video. Put can I uh, can I remind yeah. some Ulster fans that have been posting about how disgraceful it was that Ulster didn't wear their club socks this weekend? Yeah. It's rounds ten and eleven. <laughs> yeah, and they'll do it next time they're at home. Yeah, my God. Okay. <laughs> I'd probably say Leinster were the only club, I think, who wore the province socks, by the way. The club mm. socks out of the provinces, right? I just want to say at the club and Munster fans who take note. Mm-hmm. Oh, speaking of the Ulster fans, uh, Munster fans, oh. there. there you go. <laughs> uh, are we reference to our good friend Keith Barways? Uh, he'll, he'll be hoping yeah. for an England win this weekend against the Scots. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, well, look, guys... It's it's time now to sharpen the knives, you know, blunt the cutlery, and uh, and see where we go with this. Obviously, we had a game against the Ospreys, and uh, uh, t- needless to say, it was almost like going in back into the twilight zone once again mm-hmm. um, with some of the play that happened, some of the errors, some of the discipline, um, and of course, it's eventually left um, a couple of days later with our head coach Stan McBurn stepping down. Um, first of all, guys, the game itself. Um, summarize that for us, there, uh, Chris. Okay, so uh, from one of the what well, we had about a hundred Ulster fans over for it. Uh, so from the stadium perspective, the first forty minutes, neither side actually showed up. The first forty minutes was literally just that classic term we use in arm wrestle. Uh, the, no one was going anywhere. No real meters made. No real, uh, no real shape to the game. Obviously, Henley went off really early with that dislocated uh, toe. Um, following that, that scrum when, uh, to be fair, the the Osprey scrum was demolishing us. Um, as you know, from what we've seen the stars, the dominance in there was absolutely immense. And and you know, already in the first half, very early on, our guys were like, "Well, why is why is Kitsy not on? He was brought in to stabilize our scrum." You know, we're like, well, we can't play him all the time. Let's be honest. He can't play 80 minutes every other week. That's just not going to happen. Um, mm-hmm. So, um, obviously, we went in the Sheds halftime uh, leading. 
and I did get a text message from one of the uh, the stalwart Ulster fans in the onesie clan, and the message was, "Ah, oh, for the name of God, we've gone in leading. Never a good sign because this season, if we have gone in ahead, it hasn't gone well for us at the final whistle." Uh, so the writing was kind of on the wall from stage one. So um, at the sheds, everyone was kind of. The stadium was really mooted in the first half. It was really, really unusual. I know some would say for the Ospreys, Delivery Stadium, Swansea.com is quite mooted anyway. Um, but we came off the sheds. Second half, there was far, far more spectacle of rugby, shall we say. Let's put it that way. More more chances going each way. Uh, going back to Nigel's point, without doubt, also rugby left too much, too many points untouched. Uh, we're aware at Stockdale. Obviously, failed to dot that ball down. Uh, do you know what? If he was going to get anywhere near that, that, that was simply an unachievable effort, and he got close enough to it. Um, but anyway, so um, we then went in. Second half, far, far more going on, uh, far more play, far more expansive rugby. Obviously, uh, we had that really, really wide pass, uh, which led to the intercept. And to be fair, Vaughn Fella took off like a scalded cap. Um, our flyers couldn't get anywhere near him. He then stumbled over his own feet. That allowed us to literally get back on him again. And then from that point, his his play from the floor in the hand, there were so many players backing him to the hilt. Uh, well, I think he had four, two either yep. side of him flanking him. He just popped it in the hands and they just ran that one straight in. Um, and then obviously, uh, towards the end of the game, game management just went away from us. We put, uh, you know, Jake Flannery put that 50 meter stunning kick over um from the pen uh from the 50 meter line and then well to be fair um the 40 meter drop goal afters you know oh. deserved to win the game but i think i've got this real problem at the minute in that we're not taking the three points on an offer Agreed. it's almost like we feel compelled that we have to go and take the attempt at the seven every single time and I, i've got this thing that we should be winning the game first and then play for the scoreline afterwards. Um, I don't know where if we've got an inflated confidence from driving all from the last season with one sort of mental surprise. Um, but that's not happening. I think teams have got us worked out on our forward play to that extent. Um, and I think uh, was it 12, 12 points we didn't take? Uh, mm -hmm. good, yep, you know, uh, yep. yeah, yeah, it was it was a hard watch, and I've got to say, fair play to the Osprey supporters. It's probably the most vocal I have ever heard. The Liberty slash Swansea.com stadium. There was, uh, you know, they deserved it in the end. They, you know, they they absolutely played their part, and the guys stayed in it right to the death and, and took their chance really well. Mm -hmm. And so, Nigel, uh, what were your thoughts on it? I thought it was a continuation from the Harlequins game, frankly. Um, mm -hmm. now, I'm going to explain that because like Richard and I are going to disagree a little here. I watched that Harlequin games at Harlequin's game about three times, and the reason I did it was because I was absolutely baffled about what I'd watched. Uh, I couldn't make head or tail of it, and I came to a conclusion that I was really discussing with you earlier tonight, and I think we saw it again in the Ospreys game. Some players played their socks off, mm. some players didn't. I'm not going to name names. I'm not going to go that way. That's for other people to do because I don't like, I don't think anybody goes out to lose a game. But for me, some players really played their socks off and some players didn't. Um, and I thought, I think we saw that again against the Ospreys. And I'm beginning to wonder, uh, and I'm going to just throw the question out there is there a split in the group of players, never mind between the players and the coach? And I'm just going to refer to uh, Richard's, Richard's point. And I'm going to, I'm going to make an, an, an equivalence with the French team. The French team were so close to getting into a semi-final in the World Cup, and I think had they done that, they might have won a home World Cup. They have fallen off a cliff since then. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they've been terrible to watch. They've not played good rugby. There's obviously something not right in that camp. But here's what the difference is for me. You look at that 15 or 23 that turn out for France, and virtually every one of them have achieved major honours in rugby. They've won. They've been involved in teams that have won the last four Champions Cups. Wow. They've won Six Nations. I mean, these guys are at the top of their game. And frankly, if they lose face with their coach, I listen to them. Mm -hmm. 
Ulster, Ulster players can't claim that. They've not won anything, yet they keep losing confidence in the coaches. I, I think if you come from a position of performance, silverware, and you've got the CV, you will be listened to. We're seeing the same cycle repeat here, where apparently the players have lost confidence in the coach. Is it not maybe coaches lost well, confidence in the players? And, I, and by yeah. the way, before any, I don't know if we're going to discuss Dan in particular, but I personally wish Dan McFarland the very best in the future, and I, I thank him for his time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think on behalf of the whole White Walkers, crew, <laughs> right. uh, we, we wish so Dan the very best. I, I, we're, we're here again. I mean, look, this is the exact same thing that happened in 2018 and happened, Jesus, happened back in McCall's days where the coach gets the blame. All the coach gets the blame. The coach gets the blame. Show me another club at this level where this repeats itself. And I'll call you a liar. There isn't one. Yeah, I should. And it's not rocket science, You look, you look for the common factors yeah. in every one. What was there before? What was there the last time? What was there the last time? The constant that mm. keeps dragging this thing up, where the team seem to be. Do you know that game against Harlequins and a bit the, the game against Ospreys? It reminded me of the Edinburgh game in 2018. Do you remember? Oh that? yeah, the drop goal wasn't away to Edinburgh when. Oh. Uh, Players just went out on the pitch and just didn't play, and they didn't look like they wanted to play. Yeah. I think there's been an altercation. You were about the Edinburgh at home when Weir dropped the goal. I think there's been an altercation between a couple of coaches on the training pitch the day before as well, which led to them being stood down, as I recall. And uh, that that game against Harlequins and a, a little bit the Ospreys game, it just reminded me of that game. Yeah, and, and I thought, what, what is it? What is it that that that, uh, that allows professional players or motivates professional players or unmotivates professional players to go out onto a pitch and perform like that. Yeah. There's just no heart. Uh, you know, it's, it's like the, the energy's been sucked out of them. Is that the coach? No. Is it other elements within the club? Um, you know, <laughs> at that time, there was a split in the, in, the, in the squad. I remember that. It looks to me like it's there again because we're seeing some players, and, and I'll, I'm going to, I've got to name the highlighters, Nick Timoney. Oh. sucks. John yeah. just played out of his socks every week, even when the passes were going awry, when this is happening, when that's happening. Those guys have stood up, stood up, stood up. And some guys have been flicking the ball wide, flicking it long. They've been kicking it about. I'm sorry, that's not a squad. That's not a team. Uh, I think it's a few very good individuals trying to keep the team going, frankly, kind of keep the team moving. Yeah. <laughs> I'm feeling because you need the whole squad on board. Well, let me let me pose this one then, um, please. Uh, Rob Balakun. Um, obviously, he's made it clear that he's interested uh, in going to the Olympics this year. Um, you know, what's your take on? And, and I'll start with you, Gregor. You know, what what do you what would you think uh, uh, of Balakun joining the the Irish guys with the Olympics? In the it's sevens? pretty good. It's a, it's not. It would be good for him, legit. Because I guess they like they're going to do one province player. But who do you pick from all the other provinces? Do you go with somebody like Sexton, for example, who's played sevens, or Balakun has done it? Do you pick somebody who's not done it, or does mm -hmm. it? I just want to shout out somebody who's Megan Augusta. She's Nick Timoney's biggest fans. Just want to shout her out. She's Nick Timoney. <laughs> yeah, she always she always shouts about him. She's always her biggest fan. Just want to shout her out. Uh, you wonder. You wonder. Is he? Uh, I mean, he is. He is a sevens player, and he came back in. And, you know, we were talking about this earlier on. You wonder sometimes, is he maybe thinking of going out in the seven to get a break from this? Uh, <laughs> and I believe, actually, Nick uh, Timoney expressed an interest in it as well. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, it's 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 just the whole thing about Ulster, and it's been there for a long time. And, David, I agree with you. It only takes one bad apple to, to ruin the barrel. But we keep picking the same That's apple. It. We keep, I, yeah. keep the same bloody apple <laughs> and we're not looking beyond that or elsewhere and saying is something else at play here is somebody else mm -hmm. you're doing this now well it was a time to jump the tree down i'll tell you what surprised right. me i was the one predicting i actually predicted that neil Duke would get the uh interim coach mm -hmm. i just had it in my bones he's gonna get it he's gonna get it um, and i i i'm i am nothing against neil Duke, but i don't think he was a good coach and i'm glad he's not been appointed i think richie murphy is a very good appointment. And I was listening to Andrew, Andy Farrell talking about him today. Mm -hmm. And he went through quite a few things. And it seems to me um, that this is Richie Murphy's job to lose. 
nah. unless somebody else screws it up for him. But frankly, mm. I think he wants this. I think he's got the CV for it, and I think the RFU, who Johnny Wapler has rightly said, and others, he's been he's been flown into the RFU. This is an IRF, RFU move, okay? Um, so that's a good move, and I hope they appoint our new uh, boss man, Mr. Humphreys, to maybe have a closer look at Ulster because he'd have a damn good idea where things are going wrong, wouldn't he? I mean, let's be honest. I always yeah. think of his words when he left Ulster. I thought they were the most telling words from a, from a uh, well, director of rugby he was at the time. I can take this province no further. Yeah. That was a telling statement even way back then. I can take this province no further. The coach says that. You know, was he saying the players aren't good enough? I don't think he was saying that. Is he saying that the structure of this club just doesn't permit me to take this any further? So, Nigel, whatever. So, Nigel, we're saying that obviously Van McFarland was five and a half years, so he's the longest reigning Ulster coach. Mm -hmm. um, in the modern era, right? So we know we've had McLaughlin, we've had Humphreys, we've had McCall. We go through um, our lovely friend who got lost in the way to La Rochelle on the way to New Zealand. You know, uh, John Gibbs, right? We go through all those, right? So if we look back over that 20 year window since 1999, uh, 25 years, okay, what's the one thing that's the constant across that 25 year window? Because that must be the problem. It, well, it, it could be one person, but I'm, I struggle to think of anybody that's been there that long, unless it's, unless, unless you're talking about uh, maybe executive committee, but I don't even know. Yeah. Or it could be a group. It could be a, you know, you don't know what little groups there are within groups. You so we know. Know there are, we know there are organizations that sort of um, manage players within the group and, da, 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 you know, and that would be pretty much a constant that's been there the best part of 25 years. Well, yeah, well, well, yeah. well, well, maybe then in that case, you know, now, you know, I'm going to put it out here. Um, you know, we're looking at guys uh, with links to Ulster, guys like Ryan Constable, uh, oh, yeah. even our executive, you know, the, the man in charge of the same, the people, Bryn Cunningham. You know, even Bryn, you know, he, he's been there, he knows the system, you know, but, um, you know, is it a case of do we, do we prune all the apples off the tree, let the tree regrow, and just freshen everything up? What we really um, do, David, is look for different apples to prune instead of pruning the same ones all the time, you know, because all I see here is what fans have called for and all that. And this goes back, my God, the call for Mark McCall's head. I mean, because some of the same fans call for Mark McCall to come back. Well, wake up, folks. He's chased about. There's no chance of him coming back. Plus, his stock is a bit above where Ulster are at the minute, frankly. There's no chance mm -hmm. of him coming back. He may come back for the Ireland job, but he's not going to come back for the Ulster job. Oh, no, <laughs> I, I think that's only the wish. That would only be the wish. The prawn, the prawn sandwich brigade would only be wishing for that now. Well, um, you know, we know there's that, but we call the prawn sandwich brigade, and it's 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 maybe Johnny Watt was saying there's maybe too much of an in crowd there, too many people that are too close controlling things, running things, and I, we don't do what we don't know. But all I can tell you is whatever it is, it's been there for an awful long oh. time, right? And we keep getting rid of coaches. And then yeah. the whole party cycle repeats again. And it literally is repeating, repeating. And as I said, mm -hmm. there's no other club I can think of at this level has gone through yeah. this recycling trouble, trouble, trouble. Oh, let's get rid of the coach. Oh, let's get rid of him. Right, that's okay. Let's get him in. It's just Nigel, not acceptable. It's not acceptable in fashion setup. Yeah. Sorry, mate. Is, is it possible that Ulster Rugby on cycle are literally punching above their weight year in year out by getting in the European Champions Cup. You know, no. are we a truly Champions Cup side no. or are we yeah, a Champions no. Cup side? I think we're punching well below our weight. And I think it's the influences within Ulster Rugby are causing that. It's like something's holding us back. We have the players. Well, we see when that Ulster team go out and play really, really well. My God, my God they were beating Toulouse last season. Oh. Went, away to, went away to La Rochelle and came within a point of a win. You know, I, I mean, you know, we're, we're punching below our weight for the squad we've got, frankly, and we've been doing that for a long time. Right. So then the Ulster fans, in in your opinion, have got a right to demand that we are sitting top four every year because um, um, John Bradley had this discussion. Do Ulster rugby qualify in the mindset of being guaranteed Champions Cup running? Do they Nobody's guaranteed. Nobody's got, nobody's got. I mean, I saw a piece that a, a journalist did last week saying that uh, Ulster have no God-given right to be in the Champions Cup every year <laughs> for a start. Who said we did? Yeah. Who said we did? Nobody has a God-given right to be in the Champions Cup. You qualify for it. And uh, it's it's just, 
it's just ridiculous. I mean, I just, what was the point of that? What was the point of that? Yes, fans do expect it. Fans expect. Fans expect. Uh, and fans' expectations tend to be quite often over and above what the team can actually achieve. But listen, we get to knockout games and just fall apart. But, you know, we, we haven't got out of the group this time around. And as I said, this this year I watched that Harlequins game. And I, you know, that's the conclusion I came to, Chris and lads, because I couldn't come to any other conclusion. I was so baffled by what I watched in that game. The amount yeah. of possession we had, the amount of scoring chances yeah. we scored, we could have won that game. And then we stood back and watched them run up the pitch and score. And I went, what is going on here? You know, but some players were really going for it and going, but some players were standing really, they were ball watching. And I was like, what well, is that, going on? And to me, that's, that's not a cohesive squad. Yeah. That's, not, well, that's been the tail of tape all season for us. You know, look at like Dave Shanahan last weekend at Osprey. Shanahan's come on with, what, 15 minutes out? And he played his absolute socks off. He stopped a sure try opportunity by dumping on big fellas, ours dragging him in the touch. You know, oh. and you're obviously right. There are some who are absolutely stamped up for the badge. And then there are the others who want the badge to come to them and and add. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, you're a bit, bit of a loss, really. I, I, I just can't explain that, that performance. I can't accept to say that there were players just not interested, but some were. And if you've got players that are performing really well in the game and other players who aren't, that tells me they're not together because they're not at the same level. They're not playing at the same level. And, you know, I think, I think Dan put a few hints out during the week about training, didn't he? I mean, that was an astonishing thing for a coach to say. But the training yeah. hadn't gone particularly well. We didn't train well on a particular day. Why? You know, maybe he didn't want to say why or whatever. I mean, he looked to me. He looked. He looked. He looked busted before the game uh, on Sunday. Uh, I, the, the camera actually oh, ten yards. Somebody had a ten yard stare, didn't he? Ten way. yard stare, and the, and I thought the picture had frozen. I honestly did, but then you could see the movement, yeah. and he was just given a ten yard stare for about thirty seconds, and I thought, what is he looking at? Who is he looking at? And uh, but that was right then. I thought we're we're in trouble here. That he's just he's busted. Yeah. And uh, oh. then the game played, and half the players looked busted too. So uh, there's something really badly wrong there. And yes, I know, and we've had all the fans going, but we get rid of Dan. That's it. We're sorted. We're no. not. No, we're not. But we're sadly, not. going back to the bronze sandwich brigade, uh, you know those guys aren't going to stop at Dan, are they? Those no, they're going to sign off the coach. It's going to be very interesting to see how they scupper it for the new coach because this lad is. Frankly, he's got a bloody good CV. He's the best under twenties coach Ireland have ever had. Yeah. Back to back Grand Slams. I said, I listened to Andy Farrell talking about it because he's worked with him. Uh, he actually worked in the national system before he became under twenties coach. Wow. And he said, this this lad knows the game inside out. His coaching techniques are fantastic. He's absolutely brilliant. And I would, be, and he's an IRFE appointment as well. By the way, he's an IRFE. He's a plant, if you like. If the prom, yeah. if the prawn sandwich begin might call, he's a plant. Yeah. <laughs> and I would say if you don't try and scupper it for him, good luck to you because you, you might expose yourself, you know. Yeah. Um, because there's something that's been missed, uh, and, and I don't care what anybody says, there's something in Ulster that's been missed the last time, probably the time before as well. And uh, we're just doing it again. We're just doing it again. Now, now here's an interesting one. Now, Richard put up something interesting here, and I just want to, uh, to put it up here for you guys. Richard says, fans buy tickets which help pay the wages, fans buy shirts which support the overall operations, uh, and fans should expect their club, who's absolutely stacked with talent, to perform. Now, we are well aware that Ulster we have been operating at a, a quite a severe loss in the last season because of, obviously, frozen pitch gate, um, which cost them about a million. Um, but obviously... You know, there's other things as well. Look, restrictions had, had the COVID country. for two years, then you had frozen. Yeah. There's been a lot of things. You've had the cost of living raises. Look, we're a small club. Um, it was always going to hurt us. Um, it always was. And I think we can, you know, we lost over £700,000 on that La Rochelle game alone. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, I mean, that, that, that accounts for an awful big chunk of the losses from that season. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's, it's uh, you know, yes, we've got to turn around. Yes, we've got to improve it. And Richard's right. Fans, fans buy the merchandise. They pay for the tickets. They expect results. I agree with that. I don't go to I don't go to an Ulster game and think we're going to lose. I go to an Ulster game and think, come on, lads, let's beat these burgers. Like this season. Yeah, but this what do you season, think, Gregor? And expect I'm, anything, you know? I don't know. I just I I'm going to be honest with you. I predicted an Ospreys win before the game. I said to people are you. I predicted an Ospreys win just because of just because of what they believe in. He said to. 
Gregor, can I just say, I had a 1737 wind bolted on for us. Wow. I was convinced our lads were going to roll in and absolutely put them with the sword. So and I was absolutely gobsmacked by the first half. And oh, then, you know, just watching the game slip away. And, you're um, absolutely right, Chris. By the way, the first half, neither team. I don't think they're too Yeah, I was working on Sunday and I skipped the first 38 minutes or something. Look at you. <laughs> I was not in the B row thinking I should be back in the Z row where the bar is. I'm going forward. We're all talking about Dan and about uh, who replaced him, you know, Richie Murphy. And as I say, I think Richie Murphy has a, a very, very solid shade of this job. I really do. I mean, somebody, somebody pretty extraordinary would have to come up to, to, to replace him. A lot of people talking about uh, Ruin Pinar. Uh, I think Rian recently said he would love to come back to Ireland. That's a possibility down the road, but I think he's still looking after his sister's family a bit, isn't he, at the minute or something? He's still, yeah. So, but you know, that's a possibility. Uh, but he's also been he's been mooted as a buy-in as a coach either at Cheetahs or on the South African side, yes, hasn't he? he does, it does, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Casper would know. Casper would know better. Uh, yeah, and we've got, uh, people want to talk about Jared Payne. As a head coach, and I believe Bernard Jackman's been tightening him as the replacement coach. I'm not sure about that. Um, but, he, but yeah, as a coach, maybe as a as a, as assistant head coach, perhaps. I'm not sure if I'd give him the top job yet because he hasn't done that. And frankly, you know, there's him and Dwayne Peel who did who did very well here. They're having a complete merit, Scarlets. Yeah, there's a whole different reason for that um, going on about you know they lost so many top players due to the salary cap and I got and that, I got that. You know, but that, Jared, that won't change the CP, Chris. Yeah, all right. Jared said it's a five-year plan. They're looking at kids who are like 19 and bringing them through. Academy kids have now gone straight into the first side, and it is a real five-year window. But um, I think if we went back, and I said this to Susie earlier, I believe if, if Ulster appointed Jared Payne or Ruan as head coach, you'd be back to the same statement. It's job for the boys again. I think Ulster have got to look outside of the province completely. And find someone brand spanking you with friends. Oh, wow. oh, what do you look to? Do you go to South Africa, Australia, or New Zealand? Or no, you go to Richie Murphy. I honestly think he's got a big crack at it, and I think unless yeah. something goes badly wrong for him, I think he's got I think he's got and he is a head coach, yeah. and he'd be the yeah. first head coach we've appointed who is a head coach <laughs> for a long time. But he's also he's not he's not an Ulsterman, is he? No. So, so they've gone yeah. outside of the Ulster framework, luckily. For the yeah, but he's coming into a framework that's full of Ulster men, and is that the problem? Seven oh, games oh. he's got, I read. Seven yeah. games he's got to try to prove himself. Seven that's games. right, I read that. But Rugby Pass yeah. said that he's got... Oh, it's, it's or a seven he's that's one. That's one of that. The rest of them are Ulster from head to fit, aren't Yeah. Yeah, top down. Hmm. <laughs> uh, well, here, uh, we've got one here from Mark Hunter. Hey, Mark, how's it going? Um... <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> oh, <laughs> He's absolutely right, though. Uh, yeah. Johnny yeah. Wobbles put one up there. Dan Super should be the interim. Well, Dan Super is the interim. Interim. He was yeah. in the Dragons game. Yeah. And uh, I, I think there's a good possibility that uh, Dan Super will stay. Uh, possibly as, as assistant coach. I think the players yes. like him. I think uh, he, he goes down well in the club. I think he will stay. That's what the <laughs> I agree with Joe. <laughs> Joe for Prime Minister. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I uh, Gerald's put up a comment there, and I think I'm broadly on board with Gerald. You know, that, um, you know, yeah, I think, I think there, there, there could be issues that have not yet been looked at. Um, within the setup or structure of Ulster rugby, that are allowing influences that do not lead to uh, motivational rugby by the, within the team. Um, and Richie Murphy, I think, should be given a good crack at it. It sounds like he wants it, um, and I'm, I'm quite happy to see him come in actually as an interim coach. And if he does a good job, why not? You know, I mean, we, we we're we're constantly getting these coaches that were a forwards coach here, a backs coach there, or they help somebody. Out. Uh, on a big team, we're not getting the quality of coaches at all that the likes of Leinster most to get. And whilst that might be understandable, the coaching ticket is very important. 
well, but the well, coaching here. team has to have the power to do what coaches do without interference. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm gonna. I'll fire one out here. How about how about instead of looking outside the box, how about we we look at a different box altogether and okay. look at our own leagues, our yes. division one, division one A, one B. Okay. There are coaches there who would have an absolute cracker of a shot at it. Put them into a transition, you know, or a, a assistant, assistant yeah. head coach, or or a yeah, forward or back. Yeah, and and see whether they whether they progress or not. And at mm-hmm. least then we're at least then we can say, well, look, our teams are here. We've got coaches. We've got very good coaches. Why can we not give them a chance? Yeah. That's a damn good shout. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but who pathways? And um, Davey, I'm going to chuck something else in completely different, right? And it's yeah, I've got this thing, right? So I, I've I've had this banded around my head for a wee while, right? So we know whether people like the accept or not that the Irish camp is is Dublin centric. Now that's obviously yes. by well performing Leinster yeah. are, and, and you can't get away from that, right? And that will be the way for quite some time. So we think with the downtime that Andy Farrell will have between international opportunities, and obviously now mm-hmm. forget that. Because of the British Irish Lions, but yeah. if you look at Leinster, Leinster are getting top class coaching from within Leinster. We can't you can't say anything else about Neil Collins' team there, right? Yeah, and then they get ex- such massive exposure to the international coaching ticket that it's only doubling up on what they already know. And I'm sort of thinking, surely the RFU have a duty to sort of say, right, here you are, Andy, take two weeks off and help the Connacht and give two weeks of your knowledge and wisdom. Yeah. Oh my God! Oh, he's on it. Two weeks. Uh, sometime a year in Ulster. Two weeks down in Monster, and actually share that Dublin extreme skill set yeah. with our, our international coaches. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's probably not a bad idea, Chris. But you know, it's the thing about the the way um, professional rugby is set up. It's a self feeding cycle. Mm-hmm. It is. You know, so Leinster have got good coaches. They've got nine separate contracts. They've got more money. They've got more money than the other provinces because they get nine players paid for. So they can afford to bring in lots of other players. They've got a really good uh, academy system that's largely fo- privately funded as well because they've, they've managed to tap into the college systems there. It's actually pretty smart what they've done. I'm not sure we could emulate it up here because the private money probably isn't there. But, you know, I mean, it's, it's the envy of the rugby world. It really is. But it's self-feeding because, as you say, Chris, they've got the best coach in Ireland, and 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 they've got uh, they've got the most money to recycle oh, players and bring those players on and on and on because they're, they're without their they're without their first team quite a lot, so they have to bring another team on, and it's 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 difficult to break into that. It always has been difficult to break into an Ireland team. Having said that, that's the Ireland conundrum. I'm not bothered about that at all. I don't care about that, and that's not because I don't like. Ulster players in a green shirt. Of course I do. It means more to me if I see the players I follow every week playing on a green shirt. Yeah. But it's their dream, not mine, right? So Ireland's in good shape with or without the Ulster players. So great. I still support Ireland on Saturday, regardless of who's in it. But the bottom line is you've got to perform to have to have a chance. You've got to perform to have a chance. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to say it here. Johnny Wapa, that is the line of the evening. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely, without doubt. Um, yeah. you know, maybe maybe uh, maybe they should book those guys in for the Kingspan. Uh you you could fill it. <laughs> Absolutely fill it. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna do a helicopter. <laughs> Oh, oh my goodness, no, that could be a Get that pen. Uh, for, those that- know, for those who don't know, uh, good yeah. old Devonish Bar Belfast. <laughs> <laughs> the Devonish Bar in Belfast is very famous. What Chris was saying is absolutely correct because it's you know, the financially itself serves itself, but yeah. also uh, availing of the international training. And we always talk about international as a step up from provincial, so they're getting the best training all the time. And it feeds itself. It's hard to break that. It's hard to break that. But the bottom line is, also have to play better. That big of a issue. Oh. Right, we're still kicking off now. We lost the regular giggles here. No. Oh. Oh, here. But no. I appreciate what Cheryl said there that, that um, uh, yeah. Abby Farrell spends a bit of time with provincial coaches. I think. Andy Farrell needs to spend two to three weeks with each <laughs> provincial region 
as well. I appreciate the coaches do work with Andy Farrell and stuff. I just think we need to share that skill. Like even like, like even David Nusafora didn't get himself around the, the provinces. He was doing oh, it from an office, watching videos, really? and, and I hope that I hope that David Humphreys will get around the provinces more. I mean, all of them and see what's happening. And have a look I at the because he's got he's the one that's got to bring players out and put them where they need to be. He'll, yeah, he'll get in contact with the coaches and say, "Listen, what do we need in place?" That's what he'll do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, absolutely, Gregor. Spot on. Uh, there was something else coming to my head again. I was thinking once more, Johnny Watt, and I forgot again. <laughs> well, well, I, well, actually, well, actually, I'll put I'll put something out there. The the, right. the one thing that um, I think we do need to chat about is the role of the media. Uh, oh in yeah. What's uh, uh, and what's occurred over the last uh, last couple of days, guys? You know, I know that you know some media outlets in particular have been very, very mm. negative, um, and mm. maybe I've, maybe I followed a few of the prawns and in their uh, in in their harrying of uh, of McFarland and, and also our CEO, Mister Petrie, oh, um, and. Um, and I have to admit, I did catch that column from Stephen Ferris, uh, which I thought was uh, an absolute load of bright. Um, and and, uh, and and I'm being very polite about that. Um, uh, it, was, uh, it was the way I look at it is the media. Yes, the, they they can they can read whatever they want and they can criticize whoever they want to uh, within reason. But um, surely they've took that too far, um, in, in terms of the criticism of McFarland and Petrie. Um, what's what's your guys' thoughts on this? What yeah, was the same same guy do it with Les Kiss prior? It's, it's just repeat again. We're here we go. The cycle repeats. Um, yeah. I see nothing different. So I've I've had multiple discussions on just about every platform, whether or not it was. Uh, Twitter slash X, whether it was Facebook, whether it was LinkedIn, I've had multiple interactions. Um, and I was getting to the stage where I was going to withdraw from social media for a while because it was I was getting so angry about it. Um, and, and the way I put it to people is, um, so DT, you're you're calling people out. You want you want uh, Nigel sacked. You're the man that Nigel is sacked from work. I went back and said, DT, well, would you appreciate the public? You know, humiliating you on a social media platform in front of millions of people, uh, calling for your, you to be axed, calling for your career to be uh, compromised going forward, but more importantly, possibly putting you in a financial situation where you can't support your family, your property, you know, maybe having up, you know, upheaval, moving away to try and clear your head, and just think about people's mental health, not even just the, the victory hit the stuff, the long-term impact that has on somebody. I know, I know people are saying it's a, uh, Oh. It's a case of you just black out no, the white noise. You know, Johnny Petrie tried that. Johnny Petrie tried black out the white noise, but it gets through it, but it kicks down that door. And I don't think people really understand the consequences of of the nature of their commentary. And I think if they just tone it back, if they type it and then walk away and 24 hours later go back and think, I can actually hit it. Send. <laughs> um, so I, I don't know. I get really upset. Can I, can I just give a quick answer to Des Nixon's question, which you put up there? Uh, yes, yes, is a short answer. Yes, <laughs> he, I, I'm going to be honest. He was one of the people who called Dan McFarland out. So there, uh, he was one of the people in the group down in Nigel. He's one of the people who called him out in the first place. Who's uh, that? Dan Sedexia. I'm going to be honest. Mm -hmm. He's a group of me. He called him out. So, well, uh, that's yeah, okay um, then. Well, then he's going to contradict his own point. Then of us, look, look at the end of the day. Uh, people, there's just a simplistic view within Ulster fandom that, well, A, a lot of them know more about rugby than anybody that's ever actually run a club. I don't. I, I pretty about that. So, B, that it's always down to one man, one person. It very seldom is. And in a large group like that, it very seldom is. One person can start the rot, but they need other people on board to make it stick. Okay? Uh, you know, there's not one person that's going to go in there and cause that mess. That's a group of people causing that mess. I'm sorry. Um, and 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 frankly, uh, Des or anybody else, yeah, we can sack Dan, like we sack, like we sack Martin Cole, like we sack Les Kiss, and we can just keep doing that. And then when the same thing happens again, maybe more of us will start saying, Why does this keep happening? And why our club? Why not everywhere else? Yeah, because it doesn't happen anywhere else, it only happens here. 
and uh, so yeah, it's a deeper rooted problem. And I don't, I don't, I don't really care who the coach is here. I guarantee you, there will be fans or media or ex players calling for their heads after three or four years. Oh, I'd nearly put money on it, no matter who it is, no matter who it is. Well, with maybe one or two exceptions, ones that they approve of. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, was like, can I just give a shout out to the women's Celtic Celtic Cup coming up to Kingston? Oh, absolutely. Because it's we need them people getting to support the world and the Clovers because we need the women's game supporting it. Yeah, for sure. And absolutely, as as Chris said, and, and that's one. Yeah, if you haven't been to see a women's game at the Kingsburn, get there and get supporting them because the uh, the rugby is excellent. That's really absolutely. It's come on so much in the last ten years, hasn't it? It's I mean, absolutely. I, I've been and ladies, I do apologise. I remember watching the Six Nations game years ago. I'm just thinking, wow, this is the way to go. And I apologise for that, but the, but it was in its infancy, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I didn't watch another game seriously, and it was a Six Nations. I watched the whole Six Nations, and I was absolutely astounded at how far the ladies' game had come. <laughs> uh, you know, it was just unbelievable—the skill level, the speed of it. And it's it's a it's a it's a serious product now. Women's game, a serious product. And um, here's a good one from Johnny Wappa. Uh, anybody watch uh, oh. the whistleblower? Yes, um, it's the, the referee's documentary. It appeared upon oh. Rugby Pass. That's an, well, yeah. I tell you, Johnny, I'd be interested in your views on this. Um, do do uh, pundits and the media encourage that abuse? <laughs> do you think? From fans, particularly, because that's where the worst abuse comes from. Do they encourage it with their with their own commentary? Uh, Nigel, maybe they do. Yeah, I kind of see where you're coming from that. But I'm going to say, if anyone is qualified to make a comment about a poor performance, surely it's someone who is a British and Irish lion, is a an international um, captain, has played the game at professional level. But I agree with you. Some of their comments go over and above acceptable level. But but I, I think I think I'm more likely to. To take if Craig Gilroy said such and such in a bad game and actually pointed out where he went wrong, I would take that all day. But with some numpty sat the keyboard who has oh. never even so much as run out in a pitch once, who starts calling players out and you know battering them, I've got a different take on that. You know, I think. Oh yeah, are, yeah, I think yeah. so. Are professional commentators. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. I mean, you mentioned Craig Gilroy, and this is a different thing. Comment he made on Sunday, and he's one of the pundits now. He's been releasing the shackles of the playing squad is starting to say what he feels and he's it's pretty evident he's he was anti down to me anyway uh sings up the praises of Dan Sopram I'll have to say um but I haven't got a lot to say about Dan and he said something to me and uh, not to me he said something on the uh on the after the game or was it during it might have been half time and he said the players need more of an input it's too strict totally agree with that by the way I don't think the Joe Schmidt thing would have, would work at a club level uh, mm. and it didn't work in Ireland forever either let's be honest but you can't be that critical you've got to allow the players to express themselves a bit but with a balance you still have to like Andy Farrell said the game plan is there as a revert to is to get the basics right is to keep the core of the, the shape of the team but yes I do want players to express themselves mm. right but then he said something that really caught me and he said all the successful teams I played in were player led yeah the first question that came to my head was, what teams were those then, Gillian? Hmm. What have you won, Gillian? What have you won? Leinster, probably. It goes back, it goes back to well, about the Leinster final where we got absolutely humiliated by them. Yeah, okay, that's a, high, that's a high bar. Uh, you know, but look, as I said about the French guys earlier, if those French players are unhappy, you take a little more heed because they've achieved at the top level and won most, most cups. The Ulster players can't claim that. They, can't, they don't have the same credence, you know? <laughs> Well, maybe good for a convince or a will, but uh... <laughs> <laughs> uh, here, you know what? I, I think I think we're gonna have an absolute we're gonna have an absolute ball this one. I think this one's gonna gonna rule for a wee while. Well, just yeah. remember as well, guys. There's this this is the first announcement. Okay, if, mm. if the reports are true and we don't really spoke about, it, we've got players that we're gonna have to let go of. Possibly, oh, yeah. possibly a few more staff. You can see co- there's gonna be coaching changes. There's no doubt about that. Um, so it'd be interesting to see who those coaches are, what size of squad we've got. Can we just go back one right to where you said about there should be player changes? There was obviously with um, words of Will Allison. I mean, I think that's a done deal. I think Will is going to go back to Seal Sharks. 
where he was previously captain, there was it was being mooted that we may well get Kieran Frawley um, coming in. Um, so they were talking about Billy. That was all off the back of the Billy Burns discussion, right? Another one that's coming out was Sam Prendergast. So you know the, the names are being bandied about like that's the media again. Well, if we're going to um, lose Billy Burns, we need a, an absolute out ten. First and foremost, though, the player has to be prepared to move and have a go at it. Right. The one thing I don't want to see is three Leinster tens being waited in saying one of you has to go to Ulster. We had yeah. that before, didn't we? we and uh, yeah, we that's did. not going to work because he's going to be forced up. He'll have a go, but his heart won't be in it. it, it it's got to be. And I'm not saying they're going to come up, pull on a white shirt, and go stand up for the Ulster. You know what I mean? But yeah. they're, they're, they're professional players. They're going to play for the shirt that's pinned. Them. And if we get a guy who wants to, wants to come up and do that, Fantastic. I do not want to see anybody coerced or forced to come in. As in, if you want to play 10, you need to go to Ulster. That won't so work. Are they, so if they come up, Nige, are they are they literally foregoing their, their Ireland shirt? Is that a, is that a, is that a risk? Uh, well, it has been in the past, hasn't it? Yeah. Um, are, you literally, are you literally signing your shirt off? I think it's uh, slightly different for every, a younger player, though, because, you know, it's, it's, it's allowing them to develop and play 10 on a regular basis. At, at provincial and club level and at European level, so I think for a young player, yeah, I think if it's a player later in his years, yeah, he's probably consigning his international career to the bin. And yeah. that's Jordy Murphy he was a classic. <laughs> when he came up, yeah. Jordy Murphy, yeah, he, came, he came up and he hardly played for Ireland again. So yeah. I think, I think, yeah, I think, and that actually probably puts a bit of fear in the Leinster player who's being offered the chance to come up north. They're probably going, well, if I go up there, look what happened to the rest of the guys that went up there, you know. So, yeah, yeah, that, that's bound to be a factor. Hey, listen, again, I don't care. Yeah. I don't just don't care about the Ireland thing because they're in great shape, with or without us. If they're involved, great. If we're not there, great. Don't care about Ireland. They're doing great. Ireland are not a problem. Ulster are the problem, <laughs> all right? And actually, the bottom line is if we start winning games and start performing then we will be paid more attention by the, the RFU, the Iron Selectors. You cannot blame Andy Farrell. Now, we know there's players in that team good enough to play in the Ireland squad, but the team, the team's been abjectly awful this season. Yeah. So you can't blame Andy Farrell for saying there's something wrong there. I don't want that creeping into my camp. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. I'm actually yeah, comment there. just want to run back one little point to um, Ian Gilbert's point about just how good. Dan McFarland was when he joined us. Because don't forget, we were, according to Brian Driscoll, a basket case um, when when Dan first came in. So yeah, great point, Ian. Absolutely, absolutely applaud you for that point. Really, I, really. I mean, and, and Des made the point about past the by date. I mean, uh, yeah, there probably is a period of time where you need to start thinking about moving on and making changes. I agree with that. Do I think that's what happened with Dan? No. Just like I don't think that's what happened with Les Kiss, I don't think that's what happened with Mark McCall, I don't think that's what happened with Mark Anscombe for different reasons, obviously. But all these all these managers have been pushed out the door, and there's been players involved in all of them. Yeah. So who's driving the players to do that? And it's not all the players, you know, it's not all yeah. the players. Anscombe was a group of players, Les Kiss was a group of players. It looks to me like Dan McFarland has been pushed out over a group of players. Where are these groups appearing from? Who's creating them? Yeah, you know, so. Yeah, if we don't change that, we're just going to repeat the cycle. Yeah. I think the RFU needs to step in, which they've done, but they need to step in big time now. And I think they need to get the likes of David Humphreys to have a serious look at Ulster and say, where is this going wrong? Well, I think over the next couple of months, well, I think we're going, to, we're going to see that happen anyway. Uh, unfortunately, guys, I'm afraid the clock has, ton, has turned red on us. No uh, way. So, um, yeah, Wait, absolutely. Time. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> Here, time flies when you're having fun. Here, I'm, going for a drop goal. I'm going for a last minute drop goal. <laughs> oh, go, go for it there. Go on, Bloody drop hell. one in quick. Any other business, guys? Uh, uh, any other business? Will uh, the yeah. score be on Saturday? Oh, well, Ireland by bonus point. 50 oh, God, yeah, without a doubt. I think the, Scotland, Scotland will retain the Calcutta Cup. We'll beat France. Oh. And, guys, just while we're on very quickly, can we just say big shout out for Simon Kerry and. Uh, the team that are going to uh, Montpellier, they're set up a fan zone in O'Carlins and Fitzpatrick's, I think it is. They're, they're brothers who own two bars in Montpellier. O'Carlins is the official fan zone for that fixture in Montpellier and Fitzpatrick is the... Uh, and they're doing discounted beers and wines and, and all sorts of stuff down there. So big shout out John, to Johnny Wappers for Dundalk on Saturday, so he is, it looks like, because he's asking for somebody to go with him. I think that's what <laughs> <laughs> There we go. 
Take your helicopter with you, Johnny. You'll be doing well. <laughs> oh, no. Right, lads. Well, look, we're, we're going to have to call time on this one uh, for, for, for this month. So, like, thank you very much, uh, everybody. And thank you, Gregor, for, for coming yeah. back to us. Uh, it's great to have you back on again. And, and definitely, we're going to have you back on soon. Um, look, remember, guys, if there's anything you want covered on the show, get in touch with us. Put a comment on the page and we'll have a wee look and we'll, we'll get back to you and let you know what we can do. Um, also, go to the Speedball Rugby group page on Facebook and on YouTube. Uh, we're now on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, so give us a wee like, give us a wee subscribe. Um, and we're also on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Uh, so the podcast this will be will be uh, up either later on or first thing in the morning. Uh, leave a review and we will answer any questions that you've got. Um, so uh, from the three of us, you know, thank you very much for watching. We'll, we will bring you more of the best of the Ulster men and women and the Sex Nations, uh, and also uh, hopefully uh, in our next show that we'll have round eleven, the other Origin round, uh, and uh, obviously <laughs> we'll keep an eye on everything from grassroots to the URC. Uh, but I'm going to finish tonight um, with the uh, other video that the URC produced for the Origin round, um, and. Uh, and uh, we'll put that up shortly. But uh, for, for me, from Chris, Gregor Galway, and the Night King, who has seemingly disappeared somewhere. Early night for him. Early and he's back. Hey, and he's back. Hey, what hey, happened hey, there? Hey, yeah, you disappeared on me. <laughs> yeah, but. Happens, uh, good chat. Enjoyed it. Yeah. But uh, yeah. On, behalf, on behalf of the team here, thank you very much for watching and have a good evening. Stand up, Phil Yeah. Benvenuti to the United Rugby Championships Origin Round. Across rounds 10 and 11, the URC comes together to celebrate the diverse backgrounds and grassroots clubs of players and fans. The URC encompasses 16 super clubs in five nations across two continents. Over 600 players play here, hailing from 17 different countries from all corners of the globe. Our league spans urban cities and rural communities. From the wild Atlantic coast of Galway to the bohemian streets of Glasgow to the tropics of Gordon's Bay at the very tip of Africa. URC's Origin Round is a celebration of this diversity, providing a spotlight to celebrate the junior clubs, schools, parents, coaches and volunteers who helped players on their journey to the URC. More than a league, we form a community united by rugby and strengthened by the power of our differences. Join us for Origin Round and show your pride for your local team, club or community. Bye, Dunkin'.